Would you pray with me? Oh God, as we hear these familiar words to many of us, may they ring anew in our hearts and our minds this morning and in this season and in the days and weeks and year ahead, that we would know that you are with us. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This past year, in 2018, we celebrated 100 years since the armistice, since the ending of World War I, that terrible, terrible war in which there were trenches dug all through the countryside of Europe. By some estimations, if you had placed all of those trenches end to end, they would have stretched all the way in the circumference of the globe over 25,000 miles. These three-foot, mostly three-foot tunnels were a mess. They were full of disease. They were um, full of, of unsanitary conditions and full of despair as, as the troops were hunkered down in there, sniping at each other across the no-man's land. But the story is told, and maybe you've heard this before, over and over of what happened in the Christmas of 1914. When the soldiers on one side began to sing and the soldiers on the other side responded. So the British soldiers sang, O come all ye faithful, in English, and the German soldiers sang, Adeste Fidelis, O come all ye faithful, in Latin. When the German soldiers sang, Stille Nacht, Heilige Nacht, Alle Schlacht, and then from the other side, All is bright, round yon virgin, mother and child. And then it's said that the, from the German side, the Christmas trees were raised, the, the trees that they had gotten from their government, raised with the candles on them and put over on top of the trenches. And the British soldiers spied these Christmas trees. And they slowly began in, in many places all along these trenches to, to declare a ceasefire. And they came out for one day and they shared their rations, the Christmas pudding from the Brits and the Christmas trees from the Germans, and they played soccer, and they were able to bury their dead that were in between them, and they exchanged gifts, and they sang songs. And I imagine there were uh, some spirits involved of one way or the other. And for one or two or three or four days, everything was quiet. Many of those soldiers, it said, after that, were, had to be moved. They could no longer be on the front lines because they weren't able to shoot at the people that they had just celebrated Christmas with. They had to transfer them to other places so that they could once again make the enemy into a nameless and faithless, faceless foe. 
100 years later, it's still hard to imagine this kind of encounter. It's hard to imagine that one could actually engage in a holiday celebration with someone that you had just been shooting at the day before. And yet I think it says something very deep about, about who we are as human beings, about our desire to connect with each other, about the ways that we want to find places of love and compassion across what divides us. We are best when we are connected with each other. We need to know that we are not alone. Our souls thrive in compassion, in places of forgiveness. When we tell this Christmas story, we often tell it in an individualized way. I don't know about you, but I kind of have this this mental picture, picture of Mary all by herself, you know, because we, we raise up things like uh, Mary pondered all these things in her heart, but Mary all by herself carrying the weight of this child, and Joseph all by himself trying to figure out what to do with Mary because she was with child and they were not yet married. We think about the wise men traveling all by themselves, and we think of the shepherds having their own private concert out in the fields with the angels. And yet, actually, over and over, as you read these stories, you see the multiple ways that people are connecting. And in the story that was read for us this morning by Maria and Mary Jo, we hear one such deep connection, that Mary goes to Elizabeth, we don't know why she goes there, but she has, we can imagine, she's with child, she's not married, she's maybe facing um, ostracism in her community, and so she goes to see her cousin Elizabeth. For um, about five years out of the last 10 years, I've gone to Guatemala with the, the church I was formerly at. I went to Guatemala for the first week of Advent. And so I read for, for those years these familiar texts with uh, the Guatemalan culture in my, in my mind and in my experience. Uh, poinsettias grow in the wild in Guatemala, so now it's hard for me to see poinsettias like this and not think about these crazy branches growing up on the sides of the roads with little red blossoms on them. But I also, whenever I read this story, I imagine the women in Guatemala. I imagine them in their smoke-filled lean-tos made out of tin and cardboard, working over a fire to, to cook the meal. I imagine them side by side, making their tortillas with their hands, patting them from hand to hand, talking, catching up sharing the experience. I imagine a culture that's, that's much more communal than, than we are in our, um, our separateness, in our uh, garages with openers that we open and go in and go into our houses. Instead, I imagine this culture and these women being together, knowing that they're not alone. I want you to notice all of the connections in this text. First, notice the connection between Elizabeth and Mary. Elizabeth, when she sees Mary, sees her. She sees that she is with child. 
She recognized this is the blessing of this baby, even despite all of the complications. And Elizabeth takes into herself the blessing that it is to receive someone that she loves so dearly. Think about the best reunion with your closest friend after a lot of life in between you and the emotions that, that capture you. Or maybe the moment that you, you first saw your, your brother or your sister's child or a close relative or a close friend. Imagine that warmth, that connection. That's the context for this time. She knew that Mary did not want to be alone. And Mary knew that she wanted to be in the presence of someone who knew her and would celebrate her no matter what. Next, notice the mystical connection of the babies in their womb. Um, I'm just going to ask the moms out there, do you have any crazy stories about baby kicks when you were pregnant? Some moments where you thought, okay, there's something more going on here than just this baby is connected to me or connected to this world. And indeed, that's what happens when Elizabeth sees Mary, that the baby kicks inside of her. One writer said it's Mary, or Elizabeth is holding the messenger and Mary is holding the message. And in that moment, they recognize each other. Notice Mary's prayer as uh, Angie was sharing earlier, my soul magnifies the Lord. So Mary is not just having this thing happen to her, it's happening within her that by her participation in this event, she is actually making God bigger in the world. Have you ever thought about that? By the way that you receive things that happen, by the way that you receive your life, by the way you live your life, you make God bigger in the world. And then notice where Mary, as she recites this beautiful song, the Magnificat, that we're, we hear so often, my soul magnifies the Lord. Notice where she places herself. She places herself in this long line of people who have come before her, people who have held hopes, people who have feared. She places herself in the line of those who have come before and in the line of those who will follow. From now on, generations will call me blessed. So Mary is connected not only in this present moment, she is connected across history and time. And lastly, notice how Mary connects the powerful and the lowly, the rich and the poor. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. As I thought about this, um, this phrase, the sending the rich away empty, I thought the rich aren't going probably away empty because they've been robbed of all the things that they have. The rich are going away empty the way your car is empty of presents after you've made a big delivery and you've left all of these good things with those you love. This is the vision that Mary has that, that we're in such a community together that that the poor are rich 
And the rich are poor because of generosity, because we know we're connected to each other. When I look at all of the connections in this story, I have to confess that, that I am such a product of American culture, that I am such a product of, of being self-sufficient, of wanting everyone to think that, that I can do it all on my own, that I can manage being a mom and a pastor and preaching two sermons in two days and baking all the cookies I'm supposed to bake and having the perfectly clean house and having all the gifts wrapped and under the tree. But it's all up to me. And so everything is on my shoulders. And in fact, I imagine that all of us need to hear this message of connection. To hear this exhortation to reach out to each other, to remember that, that we are connected, as Martin Luther King says, in a web of connections, and when we tug on one string, it affects us all. So in the next few days, I encourage you to allow this story to seep into your consciousness. Dare to reach out across the trenches, whether that trench be right down the family dining room table, or with others you haven't talked to in a while. Risk the vulnerability of friendship. Remember that our choices to consume or spend in all of those choices, that God's economy is one in which everyone is full of good things. Let's be those who dare to connect in a world that often preaches the gospel of disconnectedness. In the next moments, we will sing one of my favorite Christmas carols, Lo, How a Rose Air Blooming, which actually does speak the true gospel, the gospel that we are connected, the gospel that in Christ we are all one, the gospel that we can have the courage to see each other across everything that divides us. The gospel that in the places that seem most hopeless and dark, where the night is half spent, that is where Christ shows up. This flower whose fragrance tender with sweetness fills the air, dispels the glorious splendor, the darkness everywhere. Enfleshed, yet very God, from sin and death he saves us and lightens every load. May it be so. Amen.